What's up, purpose-driven entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer. And my guest today is Chase Chapel. He is the founder of Chapel Digital and Surge.io. He's a Facebook's preferred ad partner. He's spent 10 million. Have you spent 10 million in ads yourself? We manage 10 million and I advise on 180 million. That's amazing. Yeah. Chase, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So Chase, just for giving the listener context, the thing that I like to start with is as rapid fire as you can be, when did you start uh, each of your businesses? Uh, how do each of your businesses work and how have they grown? Yeah, so the, the first business I started was, you know, an agency after I got into the space by growing an organic following for a social media page on Instagram, a pool builder reached out and long story short, we ended up, you know, he asked me to do his Facebook ads and booked him out for two years straight. He was totally thrilled. It had never happened in his space. And this is a luxury pool builder, right? So like we're talking lazy rivers and people's backyards, not like your standard pool. So it's pretty yeah. unheard of to, you know, have people booking out a year in advance because most of the time these people have multiple homes and don't even know where they're going to be at any given time. Um, so we ended up, you know, doing their marketing, booked them out for two years. I lost him as a client because he called me one day and told me that he was going to retire because everything had been so successful. And great. What a great way to lose a customer. Per perfect way to be introed into the industry. And I was like, wow, lost my one and only customer doing, you know, amazing results. And so I ended up taking that as a case study, landing more clients. And so that was when the, you know, journey of the agency started. Uh, a couple of years later, I ended up launching a training company. And, you know, that's where we end up actually teaching people on Facebook ads, because a lot of people would come into our agency who could work with us, but other people couldn't afford our fees. So, you know, they wanted to learn it themselves or larger companies would contact us and say, hey, we have a marketing department and we want you to train, you know, our staff on how to do it. That company launched, we have online trainings, online courses and so forth with Facebook ads. And we'll also do corporate trainings. And a lot of people were joining and fast forward some time end up launching surge.io, which is an ad attribution tracking software. So as soon as this whole iOS 14 thing hit with Facebook ads, the industry was kind of in a scramble to figure out like what kind of tracking methods are going to work best. Lots of people are switching over to UTMs. A lot Could of you explain that things. just for anybody who's unfamiliar? Yeah. So like with Facebook, prior to iOS 14, which is essentially iOS 14 in a nutshell, is just an update that Apple released to give more privacy back to consumers, which is totally fair. Everybody deserves more privacy. But the whole dilemma here is that when they made that switch, it prevented a lot of data from going back to Facebook and not allowing advertisers to have access to the information they once did, and they didn't have as accurate as results as they once saw. So used to, you would see a result on you know one of your audiences or campaigns, and that result would be accurate. Now they have like a statistical modeling with Facebook where they're predicting these results, and it's not as accurate as it used to. So advertisers are thinking, oh, this audience is working, scale it up. But in reality, that audience isn't working. So it's become, you know, convoluted and people are really disoriented with understanding like what is working anymore and they're trying to make sense of it. So we ended up, you know, seeing this as an opportunity to launch a software that we would be able to actually track these conversions with our own tracking scripts and being able to match it between the data we have from Facebook and match it between the data that, you know, a user has on their website, say it's Shopify, or if they're running Google ads, being able to know if somebody came from a Facebook ad and then did a Google search and purchased, that would be attributed to Google, but we could say, okay, that could actually be attributed to both Google and Facebook because we know they'd use both touch points. Yeah. So we're able to, you know, 
bridge the gap in understanding one, the customer journey, two, knowing exactly which ad they originally came from and which ad they most recently came from, as well as being able to accurately know exactly which audience they came from as well with Facebook ads. I love it. So Chase, uh, so the listener for this show is uh, an early entrepreneur, somebody who's building a company currently. Uh, what, um, given the specific expertise that you have, the specific kind of companies that you've built and just that you're now building your second one, what's something about growing or building a company that you used to think one way and have evolved your thinking on? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've always think about team. That's the thing that first comes to mind where I know there's been a lot of, you know, mess ups on our part, not understanding that, Hey, you have to find the right people Two, you have to keep them on the team and three, they have to be the right person for the role that you're giving them. So that way you can really excel because a lot of times you want to do everything yourselves or try to learn everything yourself. And that can end up slowing growth, right? And also, if you end up hiring on the wrong people or not finding the right person, it could also not only slow growth, but retract it as well. So it's really important you find those people that are going to you know, really excel at the job you give them. So that way, they can run that department, lead it, grow their own team, right? Because if you hire a head who knows how to bring on people and scale, well, they're doing that while you're working on another part of the business, which expands, you know, at a much faster pace and, you know, revenues and profits really start to follow because it becomes more efficient because there's less you're managing and there's more that everybody's really honing in their skills on. So, you know, the biggest thing I think there is really just finding the right people to bring a part of your team. What was the failure or frustration that caused you to think that way? And why do you think most uh, beginning uh, founders don't? think that way. Yeah. So the first thing that happened to us was, okay, we have a few clients, we have some revenue in, right. But we're not able to afford, you know, somebody who is going to be asking for a hundred K. So our first thought process was rather than, you know, taking a risk and paying for the first couple of months and then hoping it worked out, we, we took a more conservative approach and said, Hey, we'll hire somebody for a lot less and train them up. Now, the result of that is we spend way more time training them and teaching them how to do something and not focusing on the other part of the business we would have moved on to immediately if we had already hired that expert, right? Yeah. So then we're spending a lot of time training on that specific position, saving money, but we're also neglecting the other parts of the business while doing so. And what ends up happening is if you train this person up and they start to understand everything, well, they're going to realize pretty quickly, hey, there's only like three of us here. I now understand my role in everything, but now where's the future? So you have to really show the vision for them to want to then stay. And so there's a good chance they could be poached because you're paying them a lot less because you wanted to train them up. So the moment they have the skills, well, there's other job opportunities where they could be making that hundred K, right? Yeah. So essentially you're training them for someone else if you don't end up raising their pay after they're trained. So it's kind hmm. of, you know, a, a counterintuitive approach where it just makes more sense. We found out to just hire an expert and, you know, take those risks and let them, you know, build out the team. And that's been a lot more successful for us. I could already hear people thinking, cause I'm thinking it though. Yeah. But when you're just starting out, you don't have money to afford the expert. <laughs> right. And that's the exact thing we kept encountering. And so it was, we don't, we can't afford the salary for a long period of time. Okay. We could pay the first three months, but if it doesn't work out, we're really not in a good position. Like it's not going to be good. Yeah. But that person, we spent training for that amount of time. If they end up leaving us, we're back in the same boat again, 
and we really never got anywhere. We just ended up spending money. Yeah, it might have been yeah. profitable, but it really wasn't moving the bar at all. So it just ends up slowing things, and it's more costly to end up hiring another hiring another person because now you're searching again and redoing the whole thing. Yeah. What is your best advice to somebody that's trying to follow your advice, but they're bootstrapping their business? Yeah. So like we bootstrapped all of our businesses, right? The, the three companies I have now, I've never, you know, ended up getting outside funding or, you know, outside resources. So, you know, the main thing is, is once you actually have, you know, revenues coming in and you can actually bring on somebody who could be an expert, you know, it's worth taking the risk and bringing that individual on uh, in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a feeling, um, you know, Lord willing, uh, I, I still like thinking and praying about it, but like, I desperately need a good salesperson. Like if I could choose my next hire, uh, it would be a really good salesperson <laughs> because uh, I, I, that's what I'm doing uh, because it's the, it's like, I, I haven't been able to outsource that yet, but I've outsourced so much of the rest of the business. So it's just me that's bringing on new customers, but man, I feel like I just, uh, reliable sales that I'm not the one causing to happen would be so good for my business. <laughs> <laughs> totally get it. Mm. So Chase, uh, transitioning over, uh, when you think about, uh, you know, your purpose as an entrepreneur, like what it is, I don't know if you've thought much about this question, but I like to ask this question to entrepreneurs. Um, how, how do you hope to be remembered when you die? Or what is the legacy that you're trying to build? Or just why are you living the life that you're living? Goodness, I haven't even had a moment to pause to think about those things yet. It's so crazy <laughs> because my years, the days move so quickly with how much we have going on with building teams, working on you know different parts of the company, attending and you know design and development and understanding where our software is leading. Um, it's really, for us, it's about making sure we're doing the best we can in our specific industry and trying to find solutions that, you know, others wish they had, but haven't really uncovered them yet. Uh, a lot of times experts can become, you know, uh, too much of an expert in their specific industry and lose sight of opportunities or lose sight of specific things that, you know, um, a young and upcoming individual who doesn't have the expertise can come in and notice some of the things that an expert even wouldn't. Um, and that's really where we're trying to make sure that we don't lose sight of where things are going. And for us, that's finding and developing technologies that are going to allow us to further our client results, our success, and, you know, really give back resources to our overall team. So that way everybody is, you know, really sharing in the full uh, pot and growth that we have here. But in terms of legacy, I really don't know yet. I haven't fully established that. I know long-term that once things are really running with these companies, those are only going to be a launch pad for, you know, future uh, opportunities that we'd want to be looking at that can, you know, really have a big impact worldwide. Yeah. How old are you, Chase? In my twenties. So really young. <laughs> nice. Nice. If, um, if your businesses were to become like very self-sustaining soon to the point where it requires very little effort from you, what do you think would be the next thing that you would be focused on? Yeah. Well, for the agency, it's really gotten close to that point because we do have teams in place there and, you know, those things really run on their own and the clients are, you know, getting the results and it's allowed me to put focus on, you know, the software and actually helping that grow. Uh, but we already have heads there where that entire, you know, development crew is running on its own as well. So it's really just about making sure that, you know, we're going to be able to overlay our clientele and 
bring the clients we get from, you know, Surge, as well as our training company and our agency and, you know, really mesh them together because we're, the industry we're in, it's all connected. So we're able to really balance having clients in each pool. So as, you know, everything does become more self-sustaining, it really is looking to launch other business ventures. Um, you know, nothing stopping for more opportunities. I think that the more things that we see in a specific industry that we're in, if there's a solution and it can be integrated in one of our companies, we'll end up launching a separate one. And so yeah. if that's not a software, if that's not, you know, managing the ads for them, then, you know, we'd look to find the solution by launching, you know, another, another company for it. What was it about Facebook ads that got you like initially interested? Yeah, well, I had a social media page and I didn't have an initial interest at all, actually. So uh, I, I grown an organic page. The pool builder reached out to me and he said, Hey, I want you to run our ads on social media. And I was like, well, yeah. I don't know how to run Facebook ads. <laughs> He's like, well, you know how to grow a page. You should give it a shot. Uh -huh. I was like, I really don't know how, <laughs> but I ended up doing it. And, you know, all I did was just really focused on who the audience would have been. And that was going to be mothers who would make those decisions for their spouse, who was actually, you know, the person who made all the money, which was typically the husband in this typical household. And she was managing all the kids, right? She usually had like two to three kids. And her whole thing was, you know, She'd be at home looking out her window, seeing that there's no pool in the backyard and the kids are, you know, inside and driving her crazy. Right. So we'd, the whole thing was getting a pool in the backyard. So that way the kids could play there during the summer. So that was really the narrative we went with in the ads. And that really worked out to be successful. And once I saw that, you know, it was such a successful approach. I was like, you know, maybe I should try this for another client. And it just kept, you know, working and working. And then I really divide, you know, became desired about learning Facebook ads and really understood everything and really just wanted to keep going with it. What's your advice about when a uh, company should start thinking about spending ad dollars, like a bootstrap company, like my company, Chase, when do I start thinking about Facebook ads? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I mean, it, it depends on what, like, let's say that you're launching a product you want to make sure you have the infrastructure built out. You know what, you know, your pricing, you want to get all your, you know, the main things done. It's like the branding, the simple stuff and making sure that there's an actual need for it, testing the market, sending it to people, see if they like it, get the feedback and make sure all that's really taken care of. And then, you know, optimizing and making sure that the site and everything's fully ready to go. And then once you're ready to take on customers, you can push it organically, see if there's any traction. And if there is, then you could start to consider running Facebook ads. And that $5 a day, you know, less about the cost of a Starbucks coffee, honestly, is all you need to start with. Um, I, that, that, that sounds like a fun conversation that I could have with you another time, because I'm very, very resistant to the idea of spending money on ads. Like I, I want to try everything else first in-person conversations with people as a way to get sales, uh, uh, organic as a way to get sales, um, and grow audience. And I, 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 I'm terrified of just burning money. Yeah, a lot of, well, so with ads, I would look at it as more as like fuel to the fire. If something's working, it's, you're only going to amplify it, right? If you try to, you can, a lot of times you can make things work through Facebook ads, through testing. And that's where you are going to be spending money and trying to figure it out uh, and trying to understand, all right, will this product even sell? You know, you can kind of skip the whole period of having to do all those, you know, spending all that time doing those things by just accelerating it by spending money. If you have funding, that's a quick way to really find out, you know, where the core audience could be. Uh, yeah. But a lot of times once something's actually working, then, you know, putting the ad dollars in place. And once that system's rolling, then it's kind of automated in itself. And it's just one pipeline of, you know, sales you have coming in. 
and a consistent source of, you know, clientele. Yeah. We didn't even start running ads for our own agency until about, you know, a year in with clients. Chase, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? I, I'm still terrible at managed teams. I still think <laughs> How so. so. I'm humbled every day. You know, there's so much that we, we accomplish. There's so many, you know, things that we do that get great results. There's so much progress we make in any given year. Numbers are always up year over year. There's so many things I could be happy about, but every day I'm humbled by learning that I'm still not good at managing teams yet. What do you think about you is the, the thing that's getting in the way of that? Youth and just not having enough experience and really understanding people. You know, yeah. a lot of times I can get in the way of myself by, you know, not truly understanding what's really needed and what's too far, what's too, you know, what's expected. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the more that you end up picking up, the smoother everything really gets. And it's all just a timing thing. So, and also as the team grows, you know, managing five people versus managing 15 is a totally different story. Um, and really understanding it and then learning how to step away from managing and having people who are, you know, actual team leaders just coming to you and, you know, giving highlights and letting them run their teams. Yeah. You have yeah. to constantly learn how to step out of those stages and, you know, really knowing when and when not to is, is a, is a very gray line. Chase, I'm a kid's book author and I believe that, uh, kids books is a completely untapped way of developing or of showcasing industry expertise. What's a kid's book that your company would make if your company were to make a kid's book? Wow. Um, I think it would be something about understanding, uh, for a kid. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. What's a topic or idea that you would want, uh, to create the kid's book on that would make sense for your company? Yeah, I think anything to do with helping kids understand uh, how to solve problems within like specific audiences, like who to know, like if you want, let's say that you want to be friends with somebody, knowing your audience and what they like. Once yes. you understand what they like, you can then bridge the gap with them and, yeah. you know, end up finding out, all right, well, if he likes to go play toys outside, here's how you know, here's the conversation he would prepare in advance and what he'd say to get out there and, you know, find out what he would like to do as well or she, right. Either yeah. way, yeah. but, you know, really understanding who you're speaking to and what they like. So that way they could bridge that because that's really it for marketing. It's understanding the needs and desires of what somebody wants and then giving the product, yeah. you know, market fit for them. Agreed. Yeah. Pro product market fit is like, I think there are so many untapped topics for kids books. Like I have a customer, uh, we're doing a kid's book called I want to be a marketer when I grow up. And the whole concept of the book is to just teach the idea that marketing is the combination of creativity, strategy, and psychology. And so right. we're illustrating it. Like he's got these three different kinds of pixie dust swirling around in his head and he can whack his head against ideas and the pixie dust comes out and then those ideas can fly. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, Chase, this has been a fun conversation. How should listeners connect with you? Yeah. So I have a YouTube channel. That's a really easy way. Post content daily there. It's just my name, Chase Chapel, Chase, and then C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. -L. If you type that in on YouTube, you'll be able to find my channel. What's the main kind of content you're posting there? So we're posting lots of content on Facebook ads, TikTok ads, and really 
just showing business owners all of the steps they need to take in order to actually be successful with Facebook ads. And it's not just, you know, uh, training that I'm putting out there, but also showing what our conversations are like with, you know, our consult clients. So that way they can see what we're advising them on and they can find a, you know, a specific client that we've worked with where it's similar in their industry and really see what works and what doesn't. I love it. Chase, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it, Timmy. Thank you.